You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hi, you're listening to episode 103 of the Blended Family Podcast. Today I'm bringing you an interview with experts on infidelity. I did a solo show on the topic last year, and if you want to go back and listen, that was episode number 51, but I thought it would be good to bring in someone who specializes in helping people overcome affairs. It's a little longer than my usual, but I think you'll find the information really valuable. Before we move on to the interview, I want to do a giveaway, which I should have announced last week. On last week's show, I talked about living in the present moment, and so I thought I'd give someone my favorite book on the subject. Eckhart Tolle wrote a wonderful book years ago called The Power of Now. It's deep, but has profound meaning, and I refer back to it a lot. As you know, I always pick a winner from my list, and this month, the winner is Rick Beal. Rick, I will contact you about this. For everyone else, make sure you're subscribed to my monthly newsletter so that you are automatically entered to win when I do these giveaways. The link for that is blendedfamilypodcast.com forward slash subscribe. One other reminder, I'm offering coaching sessions now. If you want to book a session with me, you can do so from the website or you can go to blendedfamilypodcast.com forward slash schedule. The price is low right now because I know the holidays are approaching and blended families have lots of financial obligations. That is all for today. Let's move on to the interview. Enjoy. Today, I'm speaking with Brad and Morgan Robinson. Brad is an international expert in affair recovery. He sees couples exclusively and has helped many couples through the blended family process. Brad and Morgan own and operate Marriage Solutions, which is a group marriage counseling practice with locations in Tulsa and Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. So we have so much to talk about, but let's start with you. I'd love to know your story and what reasons you started your line of work and your podcast. I'm sure everyone is curious if you have had a personal experience with infidelity, and if not, what might have prompted you to do this work? That's a great question. Um, we have not had a personal experience with infidelity. In this relationship. In our, in our relationship with each other. Right. I've been betrayed before. And and Morgan's been betrayed before, so we know the pain of betrayal. Uh, What really got me interested in this work was my parents' divorce. My uh, parents divorced. They were married for 19 years, and they divorced when I was four. And infidelity, I've always found fascinating how someone can be in love with a person and then maybe a short while later or years later end up betraying that person. To me, I always found that fascinating, kind of having such a because love is about nurturing and caring and protection, and then betrayal is more, it's not that, it's something completely different. Mm-hmm. And so I always thought that was kind of interesting. And I remember when I was, my dad is much older than I am, and uh, when I was 23, he was 65. And I remember him telling me that having an affair is a rite of passage. It's something that you do on your way towards becoming a man. And I thought that was the dumbest piece of advice I ever heard in my life. <laughs> and so, uh, so I, you know, I don't always have, don't have necessarily my dad. Dad, I love my dad, of course, but I don't necessarily have, his values have changed as he's gotten older, I hope. Uh, but that was the last time we ever had that conversation. And that was 
you know, 12 years ago. And so, mm-hmm. so that's kind of what's prompted me to get in this line of work is, um, and then, you know, to do the podcast, we wanted just to kind of put good things out in the world and, uh, you reap what you sow and we want, and we have a son. And so we wanted to, uh, you kind of think about things differently when you have children. And so we wanted to have a way to make the world a better place. And this is something that we have really unique, specialized knowledge in. And so, yeah. And for me, um, this was huge for me. I, I, of course, I support um, my husband and, and this practice, but but really, as on a personal level, um, I my parents, you know, are wonderful people. They they love each other in, in their own way, but they they've struggled in their relationship, and um, and so it was always this up and down. And then uh, my grandparents had an open marriage, and there's just a lot of pain that goes into that. Um, Brad lived with a, a blended family. I was adopted um, by my father. And so I, I kind of understand that um, just the the pain in, in blending the family and becoming attached and and the idea of, of you know, having an open marriage or having a struggling marriage. Um, I just did not want that for myself. And so that's why, you know, this is such a, a, a important project for us and an important line of work. Um, it's very fulfilling and we both love it tremendously. So that's kind of my underlying motivation. And of course, my family, you know, and the baby. Yeah, well, it's really interesting to hear that story, to hear how your your past history kind of shaped who you are today. And I also find it interesting that you both have dealt with infidelity and betrayal in previous relationships. And now that's probably helping you now as you come together, uh, learning from, from your past. So that's, that's wonderful to hear that direction that you went in. Very interesting. Um, so generally my show is about blended families and the issues that come with that. And so my listeners might be wondering why I'm having another show on marital affairs, well, there are blended families that experience spousal infidelity, but also some of them might still be dealing with issues that crop up from old affairs with maybe an ex-spouse. And maybe that's why the last marriage ended. And if so, they might still be working through that now in their current relationship. And I'd actually like to start with that. Most of my listeners have issues with their exes. In most divorces, the relationship will suffer, especially initially. And in cases of affairs, I'm guessing that it would be worse as there can be a lot of pain with that. And I know you help couples work through affairs to stay together, but I really want to address this other issue first. So if a couple decides to end their marriage due to an affair, clearly they aren't going to couples therapy and they might not be invested anymore with one another, but when there are children involved, you don't want a contentious relationship. So how can a divorced couple move past the affair so that they can co-parent and get along without hating one another? Well, so that's a great question. Mm-hmm. How can a divorced couple move past the affairs so that they can co-parent without hating each other? I think... That is going to be obviously that's very tricky, and part of the reason it's tricky is usually when someone is betrayed. You know, I'm not diagnosing anybody just because you're listening to this and you've been through an affair. I'm not diagnosing you, but it's really normal for folks who have been betrayed by their spouse to experience symptoms really similar to post-traumatic stress disorder. So it's a very traumatic reaction. Um, the most painful thing that people can go through is to be hurt at the hands of the people they love or the person they love. And so I've had people who've been shot in combat, uh, who've lost children, and and their experience was being betrayed by their spouse was far scarier and worse than those experiences. And so 
Um, so I would say, you know, to help work through that, if you can't do marriage counseling or work through the pain with them helping you heal, definitely individual therapy with a trauma therapist. Okay. And, and most I would also say this too. Sometimes people who have an affair, um, they have an affair because they have mountains of resentment towards their spouse and they don't really care about their marriage. And so just because they hadn't, sometimes that's what leads them to cheating is they just don't care about their marriage anymore. So sometimes when the one who has the affair, they also may need help uh, because what led them to, to having the affair to cheating is usually their own feelings of disconnection in the marriage, maybe feeling unwanted or rejection before they cheated, uh, feeling out of gas in life. And so it's not always the one who got betrayed who's bitter and will say negative things about their spouse or ex-spouse. Sometimes it's the affair, the one who had the affair who uh, can be a loose cannon and say terrible things about uh, their spouse to the, to the kids because usually most folks just get to a point where they don't care about maintaining the marriage anymore. And so they can also be a loose cannon saying terrible things. And so you know, if you can't do marriage counseling and working through it, you definitely, uh, family and friends are great. Books are great, but you need to really work. I would say work with a trained professional because this is really about your kid's emotional health because these things really shape your kids uh, and have big impact on your children. And um, their children. And their children. And generations of the I mean, it's, it's, you know, yeah. it's, uh, uh, so you really have to be, uh, really diligent in these matters and uh you have to be a grown-up you know right your spouse may have been a turd they may have been terrible but it's really about your kids right now yeah and my mother and i know this from personal experience because my dad you know betrayed her multiple times she never worked went to work on herself so she had terrible self-esteem terrible self-confidence and what she ended up doing is uh she married uh, one of the first men that she dated who made her feel good. And this guy was a first class a-hole. And so, you know, she settled on this guy and was only married to him for four short years. Uh, but she was vulnerable to somebody like that because she didn't work on herself after my, after, uh, you know, my dad cheating on her multiple times. And, and so, uh, that's what people open themselves up to is they kind of think I'm not worth much. Um, not worth a lot, and then they just do stupid crap like that. That opens their kids up for abuse and, and just terrible trauma just going forward, and it, and it just re- repeats the patterns of of pain and and trauma. And it so you've got to heal that trauma in yourself to really uh, make sure that your kids and your family and your future is is really taken care of. And you'll thank yourself. In, oh, of course, you know? it's an investment in yourself that will pay back dividends. Oh, huge, Gosh, huge. Yeah. And so that's so to answer that question. You got to go to work on yourself. You got to really dig deep. You got to confront these things, and you're actually going to enjoy the process. Once you get over that initial fear, you're actually going to find yourself saying, "This is one of the best things I ever did." Absolutely. And so, okay. Well, and and so you brought up the kids, and that was my next question that I have in line here is is with the children. So many times, the spouse who was cheated on, and I I hear what you're saying. I guess it it goes both ways here, but usually the spouse who was cheated on takes it upon themselves to tell the children what happened, and usually it's relayed in a very negative manner. So, what kind of damage control can we do here so that the child's relationship with their parent doesn't suffer? Well, obviously. It's a. It's not a good idea to bring the kids into the into the into the problem. So if you can help to not 
um, talk about the affair with your kids. I think that's much better. And I think it's a lot easier not to talk about the affair with the kids if you're, if you're healing with a therapist. So that's my initial first reaction is if you're going to therapy to work on yourself, like trauma therapy, and you're able to, if you can't do it with your spouse, um, then, then, and you're doing it on your own, then that really helps to not feel like you have to depend or, or rely on or talk to the kids about it because you have this other outlet for talking about what happened and, and truly healing instead of feeling like you need to bring the, the kiddos in on it. Um, but what do you think, Brad? I, yeah, I would echo that I, under no circumstances, whatever, you couldn't pay me enough money, uh, to tell, you know, my, one of my kids or all my kids that, you know, mom cheated, uh, on dad. That's why we're getting a divorce. Uh, you just couldn't pay me. I have seen working with adult, uh, working with adults who, uh, grew up in situations like that. It just causes so much damage because the kids feel like they're betrayed then. Right. That, you know, when somebody's having an affair, they're sometimes they're not even thinking about why they're doing what they're doing. You know, they're just kind of checked out of the marriage. They're not really thinking about it. Uh, sometimes they are thinking about it. Like, I want to get back at my spouse and I want to hurt my spouse. Mm-hmm. But they're not thinking about the kids. Nobody is thinking when they have an affair, I am doing this to hurt my children. I have not encountered that. I probably never will encounter anybody who thinks that. But the kids think that. They think, Dad cheated on Mom. He went and joined someone else's family. You know, he went and took, he went on these dates with this other woman and took her kids to the fair and took her kids to the movie when he was having this affair. And so I've heard that plenty. And so, Mm. you know, the dad's not thinking that necessarily, or the mom's not thinking that when she's having the affair, but that's how the kids feel. And that will create tremendous trust issues for the kid later on. Even after, you know, the kid says, oh, I, you know, I've. I've forgiven you and it's been 10 years and I'm an adult now, you know, water under the bridge. That is, it's still creating a tremendous, it's subconsciously, it really impacts you where you are very afraid to trust other people. Yeah. And so you're better off not even crossing that, that line uh, and going there. And so, you know, you may kind of in the short term, like kind of, you know, have the kids on team mom or on team dad, but you are hurting them way beyond the immediate, you know, next few months or days or years. Right. And I totally agree with that. And I would say to the only thing I would add to that for people who have crossed the line and accidentally did disclose too much information to your children, therapy would probably be in order for them too. And you can always turn around to the kids too later on and say, look, mom and dad, we made a mistake. We, we told you guys too much. We told you some things that you, you, did not need to know. And we apologize for that, you know, and uh, definitely communicate about it later on so that the kids are not harboring ill will and upset feelings due to all that. So, but it happens, it happens. And so that's why I say, you know, there is always some damage control that you can do. It is okay to say that you've made a mistake. Um, And the last question I have regarding past relationships, and Brad, you kind of talked about this a little bit with your mom, and it's about emotional baggage. So if someone has been cheated on in a previous relationship, I'm sure it's really common to develop trust issues that carry over into your current relationship, which is obviously unfair to your new partner and whatever kind of baggage that you have from that that situation that happened to you. So what would you suggest for someone in this situation? How do they learn to move past their history so that it doesn't affect their future? It's a great question. Uh, well, so it comes to one of the things that comes to mind is, you know, like I was saying earlier, like, you know, you're so right to recognize that there's emotional baggage 
um, our marriage with our spouse, this is the key central figure of our life. They really have the same weight to us as our parents do when we were children. And, you know, when we're young, we depend on our, our, our parents for, for food, for survival, for guidance, you know, just to get us just everything. Uh, the same is true with our spouse, but we're not maybe physically dependent on them. But emotionally, uh, we don't like to think of ourselves that way. We don't like to think of that. But uh, deep down, we're really very dependent on them for our emotional survival. And so when a spouse starts to be unfaithful or uh, even abusive, it really shows up in a lack because it because it creates shame. It, the person who gets abused or betrayed they start believing, well, if I were better somehow, this would not be happening because the abuser says, I'm abusing you because you're such a lousy person. You know, you're crazy. You know, you're stupid. You know, they tell, they say these terrible things. And then, you know, that's kind of the message of infidelity is, is I'm, you know, you're not good enough. You know, mm-hmm. so I had to go find someone else, even though they don't say that necessarily. Sometimes they do. That's the message that's taken. And that's what our society says about infidelity is look at you. You're, you're, he couldn't get it at home or she, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you couldn't fulfill her. So she had to go elsewhere. And so dealing with, so you're really right to, you know, deal with the emotional baggage. I think one of the best ways to do it, there's obviously therapy and therapy is, I would say a must, uh, because if you don't work on yourself, you're destined to repeat the past because there's these messages. And this is what I wanted to get into is we have these mental templates the way our mind works is, is uh, you know, we've got the subconscious mind, which stores information. And the subconscious mind, one of the things that it tries to do is create shortcuts for us. Where, um, like when we first when we first learned to drive, uh, when I first learned to drive, going 35 mile, miles an hour on a backcountry road was very intimidating and very scary. And now, you know, when I'm driving to work, I'm sometimes on my cell phone talk, talking to somebody where I'm talking to my wife in the car, uh, I may uh, be eating, I'm driving 80 miles an hour on average. You know? <laughs> um, and so, you know, all that's because of my subconscious mind. I'm making 100 decisions to get, uh, to leave my house and get to my office in the 10 minutes that it takes. But I'm making 100 decisions, and I'm, none of them I'm really thinking about consciously. And, and so our mind works that way so that we can focus on these main tasks, uh, these main conscious tasks. And so, so we have to be aware that what our mind does is, is if we don't deal with this mental template that gets created, these subconscious influences that get created, we're destined to repeat it. And so you go from somebody who treats you like crap, who's cheating on you, and if you don't work on it, there's a really good chance that you're going to settle for someone who treats you like crap in your next relationship because that's what you subconsciously believe you're worth. Right. Yeah. And then also uh, we talk about kind of the negative cycle that people get caught in. And we have these sort of templates for how we respond in stressful in stressful situations. So like we will feel a primary emotion of hurt or sadness or fear or feeling unworthy, which is a lot of times what people will feel when they've been betrayed in the past relationships. But we put up these defenses and we naturally keep those defenses in the next relationship. So we'll get angry or we'll get defensive or we'll avoid um, or we'll shut down at anything that might remind us of the past betrayal. And then our partner, our new partner, who's never experienced uh, you know, that with us, they didn't cheat on us, but they are kind of 
it, you know, they're, they're in there. And so they'll, they don't see that we're hurting or afraid or sad or whatever. They only see anger or criticism or defensiveness. And so they too will feel a primary emotion of hurt, sadness, fear, whatever it is. And they too will put up a defense of maybe avoidance because it's not, it's not fair. You know, they don't understand. And they also don't really, um, they don't, you know, they don't always feel safe to share their emotions and vice versa, both people. And so they get caught in these cycles where they never have a chance to really experience each other at a deeper emotional level at that vulnerable level. So they can't really get as close. And sometimes these, these, um, traumas, like he was talking about, they, they keep us, um, afraid. We kind of lock down parts of ourselves. So we don't, really let in this new partner. And so that's also something that a good therapist who uses the right methods can help. They can help to break down those barriers. They can help to, um, to break out of, help you break out of those negative cycles so that you can experience each other at a deeper emotional level and have that intimacy that you really want deserve. Um, and so that's the sort of baggage that people uh, subconsciously bring to the relationship. It's these these patterns of interaction that they've learned through past relationships, either with another spouse or with their parents in the past. I mean, we these attachment injuries, these attachment relationships are they transcend right through all the relationships that we have because it's a template that Brad was talking about. And so over time, if we stay stuck in the negative cycle, then there's like a wedge that gets drawn between us and we slowly drift apart emotionally. And then that's what opens us up for relationship injuries like infidelity, um, just not feeling close, things like that. So um, hopefully that kind of also adds to the you know, to the question, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, but we don't want our new partner paying the price of what our last partner did to us or, or anybody really in our life that's hurt us. So that's very good information. All right. So that information was really helpful to those who have dealt with infidelities in the past. And that's why I wanted to talk about that because we deal with that a lot, but I'd like to move on to talk about affairs that have or are occurring in relationships presently where the couple wants to work things out. So take me through some of the steps here that you might suggest to your clients. I know every situation is different, but give me kind of a guideline of what a couple should do when they find themselves in this situation. Okay, that's a great question. Uh, Melissa, I think the first thing people should do when they find themselves in a situation of infidelity is to not make any major decisions right away. Because what ha- you have the moment of discovery quickly followed by a period of uncertainty if you want to stay married or not. And so, you know, the discovery of an affair is, like I already mentioned, you know, like extremely impactful, extremely traumatizing. That, uh, you know, in most people's reaction to finding out about an affair is to say, I want a divorce. Like a lot of folks, whenever they, uh, before they're betrayed, they say things like, you know, if you ever cheat on me, that's the deal breaker in our marriage. We're done after that. And so in reality, there are very few people actually follow up on that. Right. Most people, when they get betrayed are like, okay, we're going to try to work on this. In fact, the more self-confidence someone has, the more likely they are to try to make it work mm-hmm. on a relationship after they get betrayed. And so very few folks actually just say, all right, see you later. See you later. I mean, if that's the tail end on an already crappy marriage, you know, where it's just there's nothing there and it's been terrible for for years on end, and then the affair is the icing on the cake, yeah, they're probably not going to try to work on it. Uh, but most relationships, that, that hasn't been my experience at all. Even when people have come in by themselves, they'll, they'll come in by themselves because their spouse will say, 
you need to work on yourself. You, you've cheated on me. You're the one with the problem. Go work on yourself. Uh, but they're still married. And so, you know, their spouse isn't filing for divorce. And so, uh, so what's the kind of the order of the steps? Uh, there's a moment of discovery. There's this ambiguity. So you have to really kind of sort out, do I want to stay or go? During that time, you have to really kind of think, think hard, do some soul searching. Do I want this? Do I not want this? Uh, what are the benefits to leaving? Uh, what are the benefits to staying? And I think it would be very wise uh, to try to do marriage counseling because most people, when they try to talk about an affair and work through it, if they don't really address the underlying issues that created the affair, like the negative cycle of communication, that's what they begin to heal with. If they don't address that negative cycle of communication, they're healing with the negative cycle that they had that created the affair. So there was is there before no, the affair. There, so there is no healing in essence. Yeah. So there's really true healing that, and they get stuck in time. And, uh, and there's also, let me add to what you just said, this ambiguity time, most of the time when the person's been betrayed, they're experiencing those um, symptoms of post-traumatic stress. And so they're back and forth all over the place. One minute they feel great. The next minute they feel terrible. The next minute they're like, I'm going to kill you. The next minute they're numb. So like they're all over the map because it's a natural physiological response to being betrayed. And so, um, so that's really important. That's why we also say, don't make a rash decision. Give yourself time, give yourself months uh, maybe even a year to, to really, um, before you decide, okay, this is it, it's over. Um, because there's too many back and forth feelings in the beginning. So yeah. And you go back and forth from, I hate you to, I love you. I can't right. live without you. Right. And so you give yourself some time and really Melissa, where, what, what's possible and honestly probable, not just possible, but very probable is what's called post-traumatic growth. And that's reaching to in a place after betrayal or infidelity where you're really not that you're glad you went through it because nobody is like nobody you know even people who had great things come out of it would say wow i'm really glad you know this happened to me this happened to me and i want it to happen again to get you know other things good things to come out of it but post-traumatic growth is really greater good came out of it and uh in a sense you're really better off because it happened you're not worse off Right. And your marriage is stronger, your family's stronger. You're stronger. You're stronger. Uh, and so that's what's possible, and I would even say very probable. And so, uh, of course, you have to get the right help, and uh, you have to kind of, you know, we need guidance. Not everybody can just read a book and work through something as difficult as healing an affair. Uh, you know, we have our podcast, and it's listened all over the world, literally. Yeah. But just because we have that available doesn't mean people can just do it on their own. Right. It's a very hard experience. And uh, and so post-traumatic growth is possible. That's actually the norm, but we need guidance. We need people who've kind of been there, and that's what you do. So yeah. great. Your podcast is fantastic because you have a lot of experience, been there, done that, and you're able just to kind of share that and relate that good information and uh, you're creating post-traumatic growth for folks right. who've gone through, you know, something. Blended families. Yeah. Now, so in a nutshell, just to cap it up, um, there's a discovery period. Then there's this ambiguity time that kind of goes throughout the entire process. Should I stay? Should I not? Then there's that trauma piece. And these all kind of happen simultaneously, mm-hmm. but put them in this order. So we discover, we feel ambiguous. Then there's trauma that hits. Um, then we want to find like meaning. We are like, why did this happen? And, and questions like that. 
Um, let's see, negative cycle is part of that too. Um, and we go through this in great detail in our podcast. Um, I think it's the second episode, seven stages to a fair recovery. Um, and then what else am I missing? Then there's post-traumatic growth at the yeah, end. Yeah. But and that's, those are the stages to healing. And forgiveness. We yeah. talk about forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. I, I actually love what you said because I always say that sometimes the greatest growth comes out of something so painful in your life. And so I always believe that. And, and you're right. It's not that you are happy, you know, you're not happy that it happened, but you're also thankful that it did happen because you've learned from it. And if you can grow and learn from any situation, then it's a good thing. So thank you for that information. Those were some great steps. Now, um, I want to talk about the kids just a little bit. And I know we, the next question I was going to kind of ask you, do children need to know about an affair? But we've already established that they should not know about an affair. You should try to keep them out of everything as much as possible. But if they know, and this is my concern with kids in a blended family, children don't always have an attachment to a step-parent the way they do a bio-parent. And so my fear would be that if the child knows, let's say, that a step-parent cheated on their own bio-parent, they may not be willing to forgive them as they would if it was two bio-parents, right? Because there's not as much loyalty there. So what would you recommend in helping a child overcome a step-parent's infidelity um, if it happened to their parent? <clears throat> That is a fantastic question. Mm -hmm. I would say it's a very similar healing process that has to occur with their spouse, with as with the child as well. So basically, and, the same steps that you you we talked about in the last question. Yeah, and in fact, Melissa, I would even go a little further. Uh, I would even have realistic expectations. You know, maybe the child never has rejected you, like you know, my because my parents divorced. Uh, I've never really, my dad has dated a woman for, you know, and in the past he had a girlfriend for, you know, 10 years. He was never going to get married again, but he had a girlfriend for 10 years. I could never accept her as my mom. Cause I, you know, my mind is just, I got one mom, mm -hmm. she'd be a fine lady. I can never accept her. That's some of that is cause she was annoying. Another part of that is I'm just not going to replace somebody as my mom. So I think having realistic expectations, but to go a step further on this healing process is, you know, when you've betrayed somebody and the child feels betrayed and they really trusted you, and even if they didn't, uh, people have to know that you really care about their pain and that you really hurt for them and that you're ashamed of it. And, and so a lot of people will do, will focus on the spouse and, you know, I betrayed you, I hurt you. Uh, but you have to do the same thing with kids when kids know about it and you have to address it because kids do not speak up about their needs. Mm -hmm. Kids, you know, kids may rebel, but they're not really, you know, they may, they may rebel and be like, even rebellious kids don't even tell you what they need. You know, you may, you know, you're not going to hear about stuff until kids get much older because on average kids do not tell you what they need. They don't, they don't have, they don't language. assert, well, they don't assert themselves, yeah. you know? And so, because just the family dynamics is mom and dad's in charge and the kid is the dependent and they don't really express what they need or what they say. And so you have to just assume that they know about it, that you have to assume that they feel betrayed, and you have to assume you got you made a mess, now we got to go clean it up, and okay. we got to work on it. And even if I'm not going to stay married to you, uh, to your mom or your dad, uh, I'm going to still try to make things right with you uh, because 
Um, how you feel matters. Yeah, how you feel matters. Yeah, you know, right. And, and I think that parents could get so caught up in their own drama that you forget that these little kids are watching and that they're having feelings about it too. So that's that's a great point is to try to repair that relationship and not ignore because the kids aren't speaking up. Don't ignore the fact that they have feelings about this. Right, and they may not have the language to express how they feel too. That may be why you don't hear about it because, you know, they may be, um, acting out in school and stuff. And it more than likely, like when I said, there's that defense emotion, right? Where there's anger, criticism, defense. And well, kids, kids act out angrily. They might bite, they might push, they might hit, but they really underneath that will feel those primary emotions too. And they may not have the language for it. And so really helping them to develop that language. Um, if you can't, then a therapist can, but like, you know, that's probably the reason they don't come up and say, mom, dad, I'm hurting. What you're doing is hurting me. They may not have the language for that. And so that's, they don't know how. Yeah. And the other thing I think parents make a mistake with is they go through something catastrophic, like the death of a loved one or, you know, infidelity, like we're talking about right now. And then they see the kid become stoic and, you know, and they say, man, they are handling it so well. They don't need to go to counseling. Mm handling it so well. And it's like, that is the, I'm sorry, but that's the dumbest statement people can make about a child right? because the child is just burying it. Like you're not talking to them about it. You know, you're afraid to talk to them about it and the kid doesn't know what else to do with it, but suppress it, push it to the side. Right. And so they're going to grow up as an adult, not knowing how to let anybody in because in the biggest moment of their life of hurt, you know, whether someone passes away or someone, you know, gets betrays their mom or dad and they feel betrayed the biggest moment of crisis in their life no one's addressing their wounds no one's talking to them and i'm saying this as someone who has worked with these kids when they become adults mm-hmm. like they look independent but i'll tell you what they are freaking hurting and they don't trust anybody as an adult right. and they don't and their marriage sucks because they don't have to let anybody in that's right and and so obviously when there's blended families and divorce there's a lot of chaos Parents have to work harder. Moms can't stay home with children. There's a lot of dynamics, but we have to find ways to make time for this because in that little person's world, you know, it's the biggest crisis they're facing. And because they're suppressing it, they look like they're tough and independent and the parents even praise them for that, which further encourages them just to suppress their emotions and their needs. But, you know, and and that may get you through a, a period there, but I'm telling you, Long As term. someone who deals with this, the adult version, you know, these people who grow up, it's not, it's not healthy. And so you got to address those wounds for them. That is very eye-opening the way you put that. So thank you for that information. So Takeaway from that is definitely do not ignore what is going on with your kids. Definitely get in there, get in the trenches, talk to them, communicate and find out what they're really yep. feeling. Thank you. Um, so I know that whether or not someone chooses to end the relationship or work things out after an affair is a very personal decision. How can one know whether or not they should stay or go? I know that it's impossible to really know if a partner will cheat again, but there must be some signs to help guide someone in the right direction. Do you help people with that? Yeah, that's something we help people do because part of, what's the part of thinking about your question, uh, signs to say whether to stay or go. I think uh, some obvious signs, like I was saying earlier, kind of wait you know, before you make a major decision, because your gut instinct may just to be like, screw you, Sayonara, you've been a jerk, our marriage has always sucked. And in the heat of the moment, we say stuff like that. And we probably really mean it when we say it. 
But on the flip side, give yourself some time because your emotions are going to change like Morgan was talking about. It's like a roller coaster. So your emotions are going to change. Um, and then kind of the other part is um, are there – It's you know, it is impossible to know if someone will cheat again. Are there certain signs that can kind of reveal if someone will cheat again? Absolutely. I would, that's a great question. Um, I think it's a question people have to ask. When you if you can figure out why someone cheated, that will you know tell you that'll kind of be the signpost on what you need to know because some people cheat because they're a sex addict and an addict doesn't really do things just once and so an addict is going to go visit a prostitute or prostitutes they're going to go to massage parlors they're going to be involved in pornography uh, they're going to have an addictive quality to it so the chances of them only doing it once is, uh, is very slim mm-hmm. and so. You know, they're going to need to take responsibility and get help for themselves on that. Uh, and then the other is, is you have to ask, have you cheated other people on other people that you've been with? You just cheated me. Have you done it with other people? What's the root cause of this? You know, what's in it's it's once a cheater, always a tre- cheater. It doesn't have to be true. But in some cases, it is very true because people develop a habit or a way of like they maybe they don't break up or divorce. They just cheat. That's the way of ending a relationship, and that's what they found to do when they were younger to cope with problems is they avoid. They avoid. And the way of avoiding issues is to talk to someone else, and so uh, you've got to understand the why behind it, and you've got to kind of dig deep. And that's – yeah, that's definitely something we help people do because if without that, you really can't completely put it behind you 100%. And some people, just by nature, they're so good at suppressing things and you know having a stiff upper lip that they don't even bother to really explore what caused the affair. They are in a hurry to push it behind them. Mm. If they do that, they're really, they're hurting themselves by doing that. Right. Okay. Because, um, yeah. And as far as trust is concerned, I know this is a huge issue after an affair. How does one learn to trust again? My guess is that both parties need to work on it, but what needs to happen here to regain trust? That's a great question. Part of it is consistency over time, mm-hmm. but um, the other part is when you when you do understand the why and the underlying um, kind of reasoning. Some, I mean, people who have affairs are not all bad people. No, they they might be depressed. There's there's all kinds of reasons, and we actually talk about the ten different types of affairs in our in our podcast, um, which can be very eye opening and, and help kind of understand the meaning behind infidelity, but. Um, but the trust is kind of consistency over time. It's, um, it's getting help, you know, for the, the, the things that are, that are, if it is like sex addiction or, or, um, really building, uh, rebuilding the bond through yeah. working on the negative cycle, understanding the underlying emotions. What yeah. are you going to say, Brad? Well, uh, we'll sort of add to that. Um, what do they need to do to make trust rebuilt? I would, you know, people don't cheat because they, the people cheat because of, there's a like kind of a slow erosion to that right. process. Like, you know, somebody's a sex addict, they're going to cheat even if they have a great marriage right. because that's just their addiction. That's how they cheat. And when they cheat, sex addicts, when they cheat, they're doing it to alter their mood, right? Not because they actually enjoy the, the physical sex or the ever or the closeness. Yeah. yeah they don't. They're, well, they're really just trying to change their mood. And so people can be addicted to things that alter their mood because they're really depressed. And so just kind of, uh, you know, not that they necessarily enjoy the actual activity. They can hate going to the prostitute or, you know, they can hate it when they're actually in, involved in it. 
But other and than, they can love their spouse too. Yeah, and they can really love their spouse, right. you know, and be a devoted spouse in other regards. Uh, but that's just their way that they found to deal with depression or sadness or, you know, that's their way of coping. You know, obviously it's not a very healthy way. But the other other types of affairs, the way to rebuild trust in that is you have to realize that both people need to be able to depend on each other emotionally. And my experience has been is that most of the time when someone has an affair and they're not a sex addict, it's because they did not feel like they could depend on their spouse emotionally. Mm. Somewhere along the way, they felt like they could no longer go to their spouse and lean on them emotionally. And that could be because of, you know, just their spouse is kind of angry all the time or upset with them or frustrated with them. And they felt like they couldn't please their spouse. Or that's because every time they bring something up, their spouse just gets quiet and withdrawn. But there's this erosion process where people just feel like, I can't really lean on you. I can't go to you. And so, you know, when people have an affair, that's usually what's in place before they have an affair. That's what makes them vulnerable to cheating. That negative cycle we talked about. Yeah, just that negative cycle of erosion. And so to build trust, I think both people's trust need to be rebuilt. It's not just the one who got betrayed. It's the one who uh, was who had the affair needs to right. be able to start learning to trust their spouse. As I can well. come to you when I need you. You're not going to reject me. That kind of thing um, that I can trust that you're uh, a safe place, a safe person. You know, if, if I tell you what I really feel that you're not going to push me away or hurt me, you know, stuff like that. So being able to rebuild that connection is, is key to trusting again as well and rebuilding that trust over time. So obviously that comes with honesty, you know, when people uh, have been betrayed or when they do betray, um, a lot of times what they want to do is they want to trickle information because they don't want to hurt their spouse. They've seen how much the pain that they've caused. And so typically they're not always like forthright with all the information and they'll trickle it thinking that that'll help. But really that just re-traumatizes their spouse. And so that's not actually building trust like they think it is. Um, so that's one piece that we talk about is really making sure that you're completely honest, even though it feels counterintuitive. Um, and that's one way to start rebuilding the trust is just that complete honesty, um, which is very hard because you have built a house of lies in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, um, anyways. okay. Well, obviously, I mean, it, it sounds like, Yes, there is a lot of work healing after an affair, but it sounds like it is worth it or it can be very worth it. I mean, I know every case is different, but I would say go ahead and put in the work. Your marriage is on the line. Um, we're approaching the end of the, in- the, end of the interview. Sorry. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you have to offer. I know that you have a podcast and you do some coaching as well. So please tell us exactly what you do. So what we do is we have retreats that are available and we do some uh, over the phone um, coaching, um, but uh, but you can find all of that information on our website, healingbrokentrust.com. And with each episode of the podcast, we do have downloads that are free that are really helpful. And we also have a weekly call that we do um, that's, that's really nice um, so that you can, you know, ask questions and we talk about, um, you know, the questions that are asked. Um, it's very confidential. Um, so, you know, nobody's information is exposed, but it is very useful. People find, you know, week to week. Okay. To Great. And, and all the information that you gave today was just so very helpful. Um, before we go, do you have any last words of advice or encouragement for the listeners? 
Yeah, Melissa, I would just say that post-traumatic growth, what we were talking about earlier, is actually very probable. It's not just possible. It's very probable even for the situation that our listeners find themselves in because that's the norm. That's human nature is to land on our feet, to bounce back, even when we're in the throes of depression, the worst possible crisis. It's human nature just to bounce back and come out of that and and to really for greater good to come out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, There's hope. We really want to leave you with a message of hope, even when it feels incredibly impossible. There's hope for you. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your family. You don't have to have the destructive, you know, end that a lot of people assume comes with infidelity. You can make this not just work, but you can actually have a meaningful, loving, connected relationship with your spouse even after there's been betrayal, you, you can do it. And and um, you don't have to sacrifice yourself and the love and the connection to do it. Yeah, and that's the norm. Yes, that's the norm. Morgan just described. Right. Well, that is great advice. And please tell everyone the best way to find you. Just repeat that website for us. It's healingbrokentrust.com, um, healingbrokentrust.com, and we're Brad and Morgan Robinson. Perfect. And I will add your links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show today to talk about this. I know so many people will benefit from hearing this conversation. Thank Thank you you. very much, Melissa. Listeners, thank you for joining us. If infidelity has touched your life and you need some help, check out what Brad and Morgan have to offer. Feedback can be sent to me at melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com. And also don't forget to join the conversation over in our private Facebook group at blendedfamilypodcast.com forward slash group. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Bye. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.